Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Mark. I'm here to preach the sermon today. Um, so we're starting a new series in October called Angels and Demons. Now, I don't know if your neighborhood is starting to look anything like my neighborhood, but certainly I've noticed over the recent years, uh, Halloween is rivaling Christmas when it comes to decorations. I mean, we've got neighbors that go all out uh, for Halloween. That's fine. I'm not... It's not one of those sermons, but um, it's just amazing to me uh, how uh, fascinated people are. And I've been thinking about what is it? Uh, You know, what is that that's missing or they find uh, attracted toward this? It's just such a big deal. At least, again, not, you know, when I was a kid, you know, trick or treating was a big deal, it was a big weekend, but not the whole month. At any rate, I was just thinking, how often do they, or even us, really think about what's going on beyond what we can see in our day-to-day lives? And so this is really, this whole series, it's going to be about spiritual warfare. And I want to start today with a pretty simple question. Is it even real? Is there even a spiritual realm or a spiritual dimension? We don't even know how to talk about it because we know so little about it. And uh, of course there is. And my guess is you wouldn't be here today if you didn't think there was something more than uh, what we could just see. Now one of the big challenges we have in, in kind of living aware of this uh, spiritual realm is really just because we're from uh, a Western culture. Uh, Western uh, philosophy, I'm not going to get into it too deep, but it's uh, truth, uh, reality, what we can know, uh, it's really defined by only what we can perceive, observe, study, uh, do experiments on, et cetera, et cetera. And so, in the Western world, the yellow countries, roughly speaking, we, even Christians, are affected by that kind of worldview. And so, people in the West, we think of, even if we believe that there's some spiritual realm, uh, we kind of think of it like, we live in this plane of existence, okay, just work with me here, and then when... Something spectacular happens. Uh, Someone that we know is miraculously healed. Uh, We are spared our lives. A falling tree misses his body. We don't don't know who pushed us out of the way. We don't know. Uh, We think about these events as kind of points in time where we kind of live in our life, and then, wow, look at that. We just had an encounter with something supernatural. Oh, a miracle. That happened this year. That was incredible. Well, in the East, and in ancient cultures, indigenous, Africa, South America, you see that, uh, the Eastern worldview has always been what actually ours used to be before rationalism, but it, it's, it's the physical world, and then it's the spiritual world, like just right on top, right in always. 
right? We're, we're always living in a universe that has a physical dimension and a spiritual dimension. Is this getting kind of far out for you? Because it is for me. Okay, well, bear with me. I'm just trying to talk about kind of the different perceptions, kind of the, the thing that makes it really hard for us to keep this in mind because we believe that there is the spiritual realm. We, we know the Bible teaches there's a spiritual warfare, but we don't see it. Or do we? Think about how absolutely crazy the world is. I mean, I don't have to give any examples, do I? I mean, how many times does your heart just drop into your chest when you see a story about violence to children, or the elderly, or even against someone's own family in some fit of rage? But how often do we connect the so obvious and so many evils that we see happening around us to something unseen, to some spiritual connection, cause, or effect. And the spiritual realm and the spiritual battle is not only around us, it is within as well. It's important to recognize that. Because we can feel the heat. We can almost smell the singe when we are tempted to cheat, tempted to, to live for ourselves, and put ourselves, make, no, take care of number one, don't worry about anybody else. Uh, so be very, you know, understanding that the, the battle is all around us, but it, it's also within now, I don't know about you, but that makes me wish that we had some kind of a manual, something that would help us understand a little bit more about this spiritual realm. I mean, what if we had even like some kind of a training guide that would give us like exercises that we could do, you know, like... Like a real army, you know, they, they train and they exercise and they prepare before they go into battle. What if we had something like that? Yeah, we do. Does that make you want to read your Bible more? I hope so. From cover to cover, God's Word faces head on the reality of the spiritual world of our enemy his tactics, right? We can learn how he works, fights against us, and tells us about the weapons that we have to defend ourselves and even go on the offensive sometimes. Yeah, the Bible. You know, just read a little bit every day. Now, uh, I want to share a quote from Martin Luther. Martin Luther is a pastor in... Uh, 16th, 15th and 16th century in uh, Germany. And he talked a lot. He wrote a lot about the devil. Now, it's not cool, at least in the, most American churches, right, to talk about the devil. You know, so freak people out. Visitors don't like it. I don't know why. Okay, but, but the Bible talks about the devil. Jesus talked about, Jesus actually talked to the devil. Uh, Martin Luther talks about the devil. I think, I think it would probably be wise just every now and then 
right? Uh, to just kind of acknowledge this, this reality, this world that we live in. And so look how uh, Martin Luther explains the devil. He baits and badgers us on all sides. Anybody ever felt that before? Yeah, absolutely. You can't see it, but you can feel it. His purpose is to make us scorn and despise both the word and the works of God. Of course, he doesn't want us to have faith in God's word, which tells us about Jesus. He doesn't want us to have faith in the works of God, Jesus' death on the cross, his resurrection from the grave. He doesn't want us to put faith in that. He wants to tear us away from faith, hope, and love. He wants to draw us into unbelief, false security, stubbornness, or drive us into despair, atheism, blasphemy, and countless other abominable sins. These are snares and nets. Indeed, they are the real flaming darts, which are venomously shot into our hearts. Not by flesh and blood, but by the devil. We don't have to fear anything in this physical world. But there is a very real enemy in the spiritual realm. And we don't need to fear, uh, but we need to respect the effort he's going to make to pull us away from Jesus, to tear, pull us away from our families even, tear away uh, all relationships. So the first thing I want to talk about, uh, the spiritual realm and uh, spiritual warfare, is to make it clear that this is an issue of discipleship. It is uh, way more about living in Christ's victory than it is actually, you know, get out, I'm going to fight the devil and pound him. It might happen, but uh, the focus of our lives and the, really the focus of our being victorious in the spiritual battle is staying focused on Christ. Christ, who's already fought this battle in totality, even suffering death and hell. His resurrection, which gives us the victory over sin, death, hell, and the devil, as the power that we stand in this battle as long as we live on this earth. So first of all, it's an issue of discipleship. The other thing I want to talk about is an issue of balance, because it seems to me uh, Christians either fall off the log on one side or the other side. Uh, it's really hard to find them balanced on the log. Uh, they either overemphasize this spiritual warfare or maybe like some of us, underemphasize it, underestimate its reality. But first, Jesus warns us about overemphasizing this spiritual war. Jesus sent out 72 people out into the mission field. They come back, and they are so excited. They return with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Now, just think how many times these people had been buffeted by the devil, just pummeled in their lives. How much despair they had seen, how much fear they had felt. And now Jesus had sent them out on the winning side. Sent them out to fight the devil with, in the name and the authority of Jesus. And they came back feeling great. And look what Jesus said, though. 
I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Jesus said, true. The evil spirits, they are subject to you in my name. And that is pretty cool, finally, right? But don't, don't put your focus on that. Put your focus on what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. It, it, it's always about, uh, not about what we do in our activity, right? It's about what God has done for each and every one of us. Some of you may know, some of you may not know, I wasn't always a pastor. <clears throat> One point in my life, I was the uh, transportation, excuse me, senior transportation planner uh, for the Memphis Metropolitan Planning Organization. I travel demand forecasting, tra traffic engineering. Well, I had a friend back then, true, he came up to me, and he was so excited because he was certain that he had just been in a real toe-to-toe -to -toe slugfest with the devil himself. See, my friend had a really important appointment that day. And on his way to the appointment, he got stopped by every single red light at every single intersection. He was late to his appointment. And he told me, I just know Satan turned all those lights red. I had to chuckle a little bit and say... No, it was the timer that the city set that turned the lights from green to yellow to red. Right? We don't, we don't overemphasize it, but we dare not underemphasize it either. Peter tells us, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion Seeking someone to devour. Now, who is Peter? Peter is one of the disciples, the apostles, the twelve that lived with Jesus for three years on earth. He was even in the inner circle of the three that uh, Jesus taught special things, had conversations, saw things. Peter, you talk about his understanding of the spiritual realm and the warfare that he endured. He... Peter walked on water. Peter saw Jesus transfigured, glowing white, this resurrected kind of eternal body. And then Jesus, uh, Peter, Peter tried to stop and prevent Jesus from going to the cross. But then Peter said, I will follow you even to death. And you all know, Rooster crowed three times. He denied Jesus. But after Jesus was resurrected, and after Peter was restored, Jesus told Peter, strengthen my church. And he wrote two letters, 1 Peter and 2 Peter, in your Bible at home. Great reading uh, this week. If you want to, really short, easy to read. But you see 
this very clear understanding of the reality that we live in uh, this physical and spiritual world and this battle is always raging. It's always going on all around us. So how do we today underemphasize the spiritual war? Well, one is if you wake up tomorrow morning and completely forget that we had this conversation. <laughs> you, you go on about your day, you uh, pray your prayers, you worship your God, you go off to work, you send your kids off to school, you live in your marriage, you relate with your friends, oblivious to the spiritual reality and the enemy that is all around us, always looking for ways to tear us apart, limb from limb, soul from body. This true story, it happens a lot, but I found this a couple of years ago from Newsweek. Uh, an escaped lion ate a man outside of the safari park and was still on the loose when the article was published. Now, this article were uh, here in the local paper. Lion were still running around North Scottsdale. How many of you would just let your kids go out and play in the yard? Or even let your dog outside? How many of you would just stroll around the neighborhood, singing, having a good time? No! I mean, we would take that news, we would take the threat and that danger very seriously. And so it is with the spiritual enemy who prowls around seeking to devour us. We take it very, very seriously. Now, talking about the, the unseen world. I talked a little bit about this already. Just this, all of the things that we see happening in our lives, our friends, th things we see on the news. Why isn't there more of a conversation about the spiritual dimension of these things that are happening? And again, I think it goes back to this worldview that we have that uh, everything has got to be seen with our eyes, touched with our hands, measured with a microscope. or It's got to be physical in order for it to be real in our minds. And that's not a new thing. We are physical beings. But there's a really cool story that uh, Lindsay read from uh, the Old Testament, 2 Kings. And a little background, what's going on here? Elisha was the prophet of Israel that day. And he was a prophet from about 850 B.C. to 800 B.C. And uh, during that time, uh, the king of Aram was trying to conquer Israel. But every time the king made a battle plan, God told his prophet, Elisha, what the plan was, and he would tell the king of Israel. Of course, they would counterattack and thwart the enemy every single time, every single time, every single time. And so finally, the king of Aram thought, of course, he's got a spy in his court. So he goes and he investigates this. You know, who is giving this information away? And he discovers that even when he has a thought in his own bedroom, God tells Elisha and Elisha tells the king of Israel. He's frustrated, but he thinks, hey, I've, there's an easy solution to this. Kill Elisha. <laughs> so one night, he takes his army and he surrounds the little village where Elisha lived with his armies of horses and chariots. And that's where we pick it up. Just to read it again, verse 15. 
So when the servant of the man, so Elisha had a helper. We call him the servant. Of the man of God, that's Elisha. He, when the servant rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said to Elisha, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And Elisha said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, I just want to picture the servant's face, the confusion on his face. Because he's thinking, okay, Elisha, there's you, and there's me, uh, and the math doesn't add up. <laughs> I think I'm, think I'm going to stick with being afraid. But then Elisha prays. He prays, he says, oh, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of this, this young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now, which was reality? They both are. But Elisha prays, and God pulls back the curtain for his servant to see what Elisha knew and believed was there. The armies, the chariots, the horses of God. It's, it's an incredible, incredible story. It's, it's a testament to the reality of God's presence and his power over all things in this universe, physical and spiritual. So, if we, and I suspect uh, most of us will live our lives without ever actually seeing the angels with our flesh eyes here in this world, God could reveal it, but it hasn't happened to me or you probably. So, what, what can we look at? What can we see? What can we, let's say, fix our eyes on? Well, Hebrews tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus. Jesus, the God-man. The, the one who literally lives with a foot in both dimensions. Physically, human, body, just like ours. True God, true spirit who was there at the beginning creating life and everything that there is on this earth, the whole universe, we fix our eyes on Jesus because he is the victor. Yes, yeah, we're warriors, okay, but we're also winners. We're already winners when we stand with Jesus. I can just, if you want to take a, something to do, application, it's real simple, right? If you want to fix your eyes on Jesus... Uh, well, he's in his word. He's in, he's in the Bible. But, and there's a lot of information, too, about, again, the spiritual realm and, and how we're attacked and how we're defended. Uh, a lot of comfort there. I just encourage you to spend, hey, if you're just starting out, about five minutes. You spend five minutes a day reading your Bible. But for starters, that'd be a great way, great way to do this. Now, uh, I'm going to go ahead and start inviting the band to come on up because we're actually going to pray a prayer together today. Uh, if everyone would like to stand up, pay attention to the words, uh, obviously, but uh, let's pray together Luther's morning prayer and his great call to God to be 
uh, ever-present in the spiritual battle that he lives in every, we all live in every single day. Let's pray. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen.